Well, it is a real privilege for us to be with you here today. We've been looking forward to this this day, this moment for a long time. And uh, we've been looking forward to it so much that we get to watch it from Africa. Uh, thank you again for all your prayers and for all that you do uh, to help us there. We're so grateful and we just want to pray and ask the Lord what he has for us this morning. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for the Zion Church here in Clearwater. We thank you for the dear ones that are gathered. Lord, they want to worship you. Lord, they are seeking you. Lord, they have that onward vision. And we pray now that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, even as we consider your word today, would you speak to each one of us and be glorified in our midst. Holy Spirit, come and anoint. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if we could turn to Haggai, chapter 2 and verse 7. Haggai, chapter 2 and verse 7. Where it says, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. And it's Pentecost Sunday, uh, and we're so grateful for the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're so grateful that He is, has been poured out upon us, and that one of the things that we see as a result of that is the glory of God. And I just felt that this morning we should consider the Lord filling his house with his glory, with his glory. And we see here Haggai is prophesying to the returned captives at Jerusalem. He is called the prophet of the temple. Haggai is the prophet of the temple. And he's prophesying to the Jews 16 years after Cyrus decreed their return. So they're back. And they're in the land, and they're supposed to be doing things. And his prophesying time was for a short period, about four months, about 15 weeks, uh, about from the years 520 uh, B.C. And God was speaking to build the temple. Uh, the temple had stopped. The work on the temple had stopped. They had let it down. There was opposition. And so God began to speak through Haggai and Zechariah about taking up that work again and diving back into the construction of the Restoration Temple. And that was an aspect of it that was very interesting uh, that God put his finger on. You know, the new temple was not as glorious as the Temple of Solomon. You know, so there were some people there who had seen Solomon's temple and seen what a glorious uh, structure that was. Uh, the gold the silver, the jewels, the construction of it, the size of it, everything just surpassed this little, I guess you could, they, they almost would say rinky-dink temple, you know, that they're trying to build here as they're returning. Cyrus did ordain provision for that, but it was nothing like the provision that David and Solomon uh, made for that temple. And so that temple was gone, and now they're looking at this one, and in comparison... It is said here, is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing, as nothing? And so that's another thing that you kind of put the brakes on it. You say, well, 
you know, we've had something far better here. Why should we even continue to work on this? Well, because God commanded that they build it. And through Haggai, God rebukes his people for not pursuing the work of rebuilding the temple. And there is opposition there. There was tremendous opposition that came up. Those that were there ahead of them, you know, are seeing the Jews come. They had this provision from Cyrus. Uh, they're, they're coming to occupy the land again, as it were. They're setting up shop. And the ones who had moved in since the Jews had been thrown out didn't want to see that happen. Uh, they liked the status quo. They liked running the show. And they didn't want to see Jerusalem being raised up again. They didn't want to see uh, the children of Israel in their inheritance again. And so there was tremendous opposition. And when you study the restoration, you see uh, how strong that resistance was uh, to what God wanted to do there in raising up again a temple in Jerusalem and bringing the Jews back into their land. And so it is with opposition, isn't it? I mean, we've all in our lives experienced opposition in one form or another, and we've all had to learn how to press through it and seek the Lord and find out what he has for each of us so that we can press into it and be encouraged. You know, that was kind of the message of, of Zechariah and Haggai. They wanted to encourage the people to keep building. It was a, it was a strong encouragement. But that was what God wanted to do. And for us as well, when there is opposition to what God wants to do in our lives, in our hearts, in our ministry, whatever it might be, we want to make sure that we are seeking him and asking him to enable us to get a breakthrough, to press through and accomplish God's will. Because in the end, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to block us. He wants to throw up barriers that discourage us. And we'll just sit down and say, well, Lord, we can't do it. It's not possible. And it's easy to do that when there's opposition, strong opposition, opposition that might even sound reasonable to us. <laughs> but the Lord has given us something to do, and we want to get doing it. Amen? You know, there are enemies in the land then, just as there are today. You can't watch the news about... Israel today without seeing the opposition that they face daily. Daily, their enemies are there and they are vehement and they want to crush them. They want to sweep them off the face of the earth. No matter what they say, that is their intent. It's what they want to do. And so nothing is new under the sun. The enemies are in the land again. They have been there always. As it was in the past, so it is now. And we see that God is trying to encourage Israel to build their temple and to get with the program. And what does he do? He withholds blessing. You know, he's withholding his blessing from them. And that's kind of his way of stirring them up. You know, he's turned off the gas. And they can't go anywhere anymore. You know, things aren't going the way they were. They're not enjoying God's blessing. And so that is one way God is saying, okay, let's get with the program now. You know, here are the prophets stirring you up, and I'm withholding my blessing, but it's there for you as soon as you get uh, into obedience again with what I've said. And, you know, this speaks great promises to the people if they will obey. You know, the Lord gave them tremendous, tremendous promises 
if they would obey his word unto them. So he's holding this out to them. And then finally they got going. And the temple is completed four years later uh, in 516 B.C. But Haggai is a book of restoration. And there was a natural fulfillment of this prophecy, which we see here in 516 B.C., when the restoration temple was completed in Jerusalem and dedicated. Yet there is also an application of it uh, for the end times, for our time, for our life. We can see something there for us. You know, there's a reference to the millennial temple, which Ezekiel prophesied. And today, we want to consider three things. Three things the Lord says will happen. He says, all, he will shake all nations. He will shake all nations in Haggai 2.7. He will cause the desire of all nations to come and he will fill this house with glory. He will fill this house. The restoration temple, which seemed menial compared to Solomon, but the presence of the Lord came into it and he will fill our temple. Amen. He will fill the millennial temple. He'll, he'll fill our temple with his glory. So that's what we want to consider this morning. And let's look at that first aspect. Shake all nations. Shake all nations. And we see the preceding verse, verse 6, Haggai 2, verse 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Well, that covers everything. Amen. That covers it all. I don't know where you're at, but I don't think you're outside of any of these. Heavens, earth, sea, and dry land. That takes care of it. Even here in Clearwater, you've got dry land and the sea is right there. Sometimes the seed gets out of, the, out of place, but uh, we'll trust that he'll spare you that this year and for years to come. Amen. And, you know, we see Paul repeating this verse in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven, but also heaven. And there's that thought of Hebrews 12. It is to receive the faith of God in order to press into all godliness. It's a work of faith that God lays in our hearts that we, in turn, as we receive God's faith for what he has spoken for us to do, that we are now able to press into godliness for our lives, that we might be faithful witnesses as the Holy Spirit works in us and changes us and blesses us and prepares us that we can step into godliness, which will be a blessing not only in our lives, but in our families, in our ministries, in our church, and wherever the Lord would have us. You know, there is an exhortation not to refuse God as the children of Israel did. And, you know, this is one of the blessings of Zion's teaching. You know, we have this revelation on the journey of Israel. And we see that basically Israel did everything we don't want to do. <laughs> Amen. 
they got into a lot of trouble. When they turned around and started obeying, you know, they, they saw God's blessing. But, you know, there is that exhortation not to refuse God, not to refuse God. And now it will shake the heavens and the earth. God's voice, you know, it shook the earth then, but now it's going to shake the heavens too. It's going to shake the heavens. So we see it getting more so. We see it getting bigger. We see it getting uh, more inclusive. And we see Christ is our example. You know, he endured tremendous shaking in his life. On the cross, I mean, what greater shaking could be, you know, anything compared to the cross? You know, the earth shook, literally, when Christ was on the cross. You know, the earth shook, the heavens shook during the crucifixion. In the, in the natural that was happening, as Christ was on that cross, there was a shaking that was going on. And it was convicting people. You know, the darkness covered the land. And it was convicting people. And you have the, uh, the centurion who's standing there, the guy who's conducting this. And he's saying, truly, this is the Son of God. I mean, it must have been a tremendous outpouring just in the natural of this earthquake and this darkening uh, that took place and that the earth was touched by it, the heavens were touched by it, and there was Jesus between the two and giving up his life. And he is our example. He pleased the Father. He pleased the Father in the midst of it all. And, you know, Pastor Bailey, you know, shared uh, how it was with Jesus on the cross, that he was the one in control. He was running everything. Uh, it wasn't like he was switched off and out of the way and now he was in the hands of sinners. He was, in a sense. They were the ones who were doing what God had purposed to do. But Jesus was in complete control. As all that shaking and darkness and everything is going on, Jesus is very, you know, through all the pain and everything else he's suffering, he is pressing in. He is making sure that everything is done, every T is crossed, every I is dotted, and that nothing gets left undone that needs to be done. In the midst of all the shaking, he is in control. He's running the show in a sense, as it were, you know, to please his father. He's in complete control. And so it was. Jesus was shaken, will be shaken. We are shaken. We have been shaken. We will be shaken. I, I hate to inform you. <laughs> so I always tell my students, je regret de vous informer. <laughs> but, you know, this is, what's gonna, this is what you can expect. Uh, and it, it's not that, you know, blab it and grab it, you know, <laughs> name it and claim it sort of thing. It's, there's going to be shaking. Going on, there's going to be a personal shaking. For a believer, the shaking flows out of God's love for us. There must be shaking. We're all familiar with Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every, scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So we are shaken in many areas of our life small and great. You know, there's little things that the Lord wants to put his finger on, and there are big things that the Lord wants to put his finger on. 
And the Holy Spirit is always seeking to do a work in us, to change us, to form us into what he wants us to be. He is shaking us. He is shaking us. It is the Lord's desire to gradually increase our faith as we walk with him and as we seek him so that in the day of great trials, we will not be moved. That trials are coming. I mean, we're facing trials today, but I mean, there are trials coming that we can have no idea what they are and what they're going to be like. And we cannot sit back and say, Lord, I think you've been doing a work in me and you know, it's going to be all right. We'll be able to take it. We won't be able to take it. We need to be totally reliant on the Lord every day and looking to him every day and not get to a point where we think we've arrived or to, let, to slack up. Uh, we can't do that. It is the Lord's desire you know, to build that faith in us so that when the great trials come, we will not be moved by his grace. Amen. By his grace. Nothing in us can resist that. Nothing in us can stand against that. But everything in Jesus can, just like he did on the cross. You know, he made it and we want to make it. So it's with him and him before us. And we are shaken in many areas. Luke 6, 48. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. And every time I see these type of verses in Scripture, I cannot but help thinking about that building that's up on Glory Hill down in New York, or up in New York from here, you know, that building is founded upon the rock. I know. I've seen it. I've been to the bottom of the foundation. When we added that extra 20 feet onto the, uh, onto the uh, auditorium there, you know, that we did that in one summer. I remember digging down with a backhoe, and we were just smashing through that slate rock that's there, just smash, 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 you know, breaking it out, tearing it out, till we got down to the required depth. That thing is on the rock. It is on the rock. It's not going anywhere by God's grace. But boy, that's the hardest part almost of the building is doing that. It took us two months to get down to there, to get everything set up, to get the concrete. Well, there were only three of us too. But, you know, to get the concrete. Although some of the churches did send help from time to time. But, you know, we, we really had a lot of work to do to get that foundation in. But it's, we, we know it's so necessary because the shaking is coming. You know, is there going to be an earthquake in Waverly? Yes, there will be an earthquake in Waverly. It may have been a while since they've had one, but the Bible tells us that everything is going to be shaken. And so we want to make sure that not only are our natural uh, buildings on a good foundation, we want to make sure our spiritual buildings, our, our hearts, our lives are also on a good foundation. You know, very often it seems there is a time of shaking just at the end of something. You know, God's getting ready to move, and just before he does that, there's going to be a time of shaking, a time of shaking. Uh, we see that in uh, revivals in the past, awakenings in the past. Uh, there would be uh, tremendous upheaval, the Civil War. 
you know, to get things going. Yet that prepared people's hearts, you know, for what God was getting ready to do. And then just before that transition into the next thing, there is that shaking. Things are being aligned. Things are being prepared for the next step. And we are seeing that throughout the earth right now. We are seeing uh, upheaval everywhere, all around and about. We are seeing that God is allowing these things and we want to prepare ourselves so that we'll be where God wants us. You know, you're here in Clearwater and you want to, if this is where God wants you, this is where you want to be. You know, he's put you in this church. You want to be in this church and be ready for what God is going to do. It's when it breaks, it's going to be incredible. You're not going to be here anymore. You're not going to be in this room anymore. It is sufficient for what we're doing today. Amen. But a time is coming when it won't be. As nice as it is and as neat and well put together, it won't be enough. You'll have to be somewhere else because this room won't contain it anymore. And you'll have to go somewhere that does. As God shakes and as God pours out and as God brings people to you who are crying out, what is this? What is happening? <laughs> you'll have the answers. And they'll sit right down and they'll want to hear the rest of the story. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, I remember my father and what he went through at the end of his natural life. Uh, it was much different from the rest of his life. You know, what he'd been used to doing all of his life. You know, this uh, country boy from West Virginia who went to West Virginia University after World War II and got a degree in geology and he found himself doing things that, you know, he never thought he'd be doing from Thomas, West Virginia. But as he approached the end of his life, that all changed too. You know, he was being moved from place to place in a nursing home. And Jeremiah 48, 11, you know, came to me. Moab hath been at ease from his youth, and he hath settled on his lees, and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither hath he gone into captivity before, therefore his taste remained in him, and his scent is not changed. And, you know, I'm not comparing my dad to Moab, of course, but uh, it's just that there was a lot of moving that was going on in the natural. You know, he was being moved from place to place in the nursing home where he was at. And it's interesting here, the word taste in that verse can refer to behavior. It can refer to behavior. And not that thought of necessarily of a, a taste in the natural, but it could be a change uh, in behavior. And I remember praying at that time that the Lord would prepare my dad for eternity and do everything that he needed to do. And I believe that all that went through at the end of his life was working towards that end, that he was being emptied from bottle to bottle so that his taste, his behavior would, would change and be what God wanted. And that would be there for all eternity. And, you know, that's what I trust God was doing. And how many of us have been feeling sometimes that we're being emptied from bottle to bottle to bottle as these changes come? You know, Moab didn't allow it and didn't get the benefit of it, but we must 
allow it. We have to embrace it and say, yes, God, whatever you want. You know, Haggai talks about this shaking again later in chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that come, those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down everyone by the sword of his brother. You know, so we see, you know, the magnitude of what God is going to do, what is going to be, what, you know, has happened and what is going to be happening. And we consider nations, you know, these, we understand that these verses are speaking to an actual shaking of the earth, nations and even the heavens. Everything is going to be upset. And God wants us to understand this is going to happen in the last days. And it seems like so many are asleep at the switch, doesn't it? It seems like so many aren't preparing, you know, for these kinds of things, these kinds of upheavals, spiritual and natural, but they are coming, you know, as we see, I mean, just even from our point in Africa, as we look around the world, we look around our situation and beyond that, we see things that are shaping up, and it's uh, very sobering. It's very, very sobering, and it, 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 it draws you to the Lord. It makes you want to press into the Lord and be close to Him and know what He is saying, know what He is doing, and, and get strength from the Holy Spirit. You know, get strength from the Holy Spirit that is within us and that is attached to Jesus. You know, God wants us to understand these things that are going to happen. And this prophecy was given on the 21st day of the seventh month. The 21st day of the seventh month. The next to the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The next to the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And we understand that as God is fulfilling the feasts, you know, in the church, that we have yet to see this one fulfilled. It hasn't been fulfilled yet. All the other feasts have been fulfilled, but the Feast of Tabernacles must yet still be fulfilled. And it speaks of tremendous upheaval that will be happening, and we are already seeing some of that. And this must be for it will produce the second part of Haggai chapter 2 and verse 7. And the desire of all nations shall come. That is what this is all working towards, so that the desire of all nations shall come. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 7. You know, God can keep us in the midst of this shaking when it's personal and when it's national. You know, when it's affecting our governments, when it's affecting our bank account, you know, when it's affecting everything that's you know, crucial to us that we have become accustomed to, and there's nothing wrong with that. But basically, God is going to allow the rug to be pulled out from under us. You ever seen those guys that jerk tablecloths, you know, off of tables that are loaded up with expensive crystal and somehow they, and everything stays on the table? Well, a lot of things aren't going to stay on the table. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of breaking and smashing and we've got to be ready. The Lord is ready. Amen. We want to be with him. Psalm 46. And we'll read verses 1 through 5. 
God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We know this, this psalm. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams therefore shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. Uh, that thought of quickly, amen. And we're going to need it. We're going to need it. Look at this, you know, but God is right there. You know, the, these, these shakings and this, this upheaval uh, doesn't affect God. In fact, it makes him even more solid and more firm and more trustworthy. The more the shakings come, the more steady he becomes, the more solid he becomes. And so then we come to this thought, you know, of this is Zion here in Psalm 46. To be born in Zion is to be unmovable. Amen. To be born in Zion is to be unmovable in the midst of these things. God is in the midst of this holy city, and he shall never be moved. You know, as we please God and wholeheartedly enter into what he has for us, into the vision of Zion, our stability in the midst of the great shaking is assured. So the, the blessing that we teach of Zion, the reality of the vision of Zion that we teach, the message of Zion is the very thing that we need because that is what is going to be our stability. That is what is going to, we're going to be founded on that won't be shaken. God won't be shaken. He will not be shaken. And so then we see this uh, second aspect. The desire of all nations shall come. The desire of all nations shall come. Now the word desire here literally means goodly, precious, and pleasant. Goodly, precious, and pleasant. And, you know, What is it we desire? What is it we want? What is it we care about? What is it that floats our boat, as they say? You know, what is it? Well, we want to be God. We want to be Him. You know, we all like to go to the store and get something nice, shiny, heavy, that's weighty. You know, in Africa, we, we, we tend, you, you tend to look at things by their weight, you know, are they, are they good or not? Are they real or not? You know, we've got all these cheap Chinese, excuse me, all you Chinese people that are out there. I'm not, I'm not down on you. I'm just down on what you're baking. Anyway, we, we are flooded with these, these Chinese motorcycles. I mean, some of them, it feels like you could lift them with one finger. There's no weight to them. And they don't last. Six months after they've been bought, they are wrecked. You know, just by riding them, not by really tearing them up. But they're very light. But you get a good one. You know, one that is from the factory and one that's real. And it's not a knockoff or something that's been built to be cheap. It has weight. It's hard to pick it up. And even small things can be like that. You can, you know, there's two kinds. You know, you can be in a, in, a, in a market in Asia and you're looking at the two things that look the same. They look exactly the same, except one is a lot heavier than the other one. And which one are you going to go for? The one that's heavier because there's value there. There is something 
that is needed there so that it will do what it needs to do and go the distance. <clears throat> there is a lot that isn't desirable in the nations of the earth today. There is a lot that is not desirable that we don't want in the house of God, that we don't want in his temple, that we don't want uh, in his tabernacle. We don't want to see it there. There's great wickedness and unrighteousness. You know, <clears throat> back in the early 90s, there was ter a terrible slaughter, genocide that took place in East Africa. Uh, we all know about that. We've all heard about it. But there was just, uh, it was terrible. It was a slaughter. And the principal weapon was a machete. And I mean, there were over a million people killed in this genocide. And the main thing that they used was a machete. Now, you can imagine, what level of wickedness would it take for you to slaughter people in such a way? They were offering people, if they wanted to buy, buy with their own money a bullet, they could, and then they would shoot them instead of hacking them to death. So that is the wickedness, the level of wickedness that can exist and does exist out there. And God, and only God, uh, can sift through these things and determine, you know, what is uh, valuable and what isn't valuable, what he wants in his temple and what he doesn't want in his temple. There is going to be a natural shaking or upheaval in the nations of the earth, and God will separate that which is desirable from that which is not desirable. He will make the, the separation. You know, there are people and governments that will either be drawn to or repelled by the gospel. You know, and that is what one of the things that Pastor Bailey again brought out as he would visit nations. You know, there were nations that he felt were sheep nations that were going to go for the gospel, that were going to pick that and align their government with that. And then there were going to be nations that were goat nations, and they were not going to be aligning themselves with the gospel. And we can see some of that now. But God spoke that for our nation through Pastor Bailey when he was there. And we hang on to that. In the midst of all this upheaval that we see, you know, there is something desirable there. There's something that God spoke to many years ago before we even knew any of this was going to be happening. And so we hold on to that. Lord, you said, you promised that Burkina is a sheep nation. And that's what we want to see. Amen. You know, only that which is desirable will be brought into the house of the Lord. It will be impossible, I believe, to bring in anything that isn't desirable. It just won't, it just won't get in. There may be those that want to get it in, but it won't get in. You know, God exhorted Jeremiah to separate the precious from the vile in Jeremiah 15, 19. You know, that which is weighty, that which is valuable, that which has a real, you can desire it. You know, that is what God wants. And God has been, had been shaking Jeremiah. And the result was a greater call to holiness in his life. You know, so we see this theme throughout Scripture. You know, we're not promised immunity or given immunity from shaking. Uh, in, in No matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, we're not promised that we won't experience it. But what we are promised is good things will come out of it. Amen. As we put good things into it, good things will come out of it. You know, to concentrate on what really matters. You know, here's Jeremiah. 
You know, he has this calling to the nations. But he has to endure all this shaking so that he can step into that. And that natural shaking process, which we've begun to see in so many, so is bringing many, even nations to the Lord. You know, nations are being shaken. What are they going to do? What choice are they going to make? And it's very interesting as you look around and, you know, you read the, the news on the Internet or you see it on television, you read it in a newspaper. You know, you see all these nations are being impacted mightily by this shaking that God has allowed to come. And it is going to bring many, even nations, to the Lord. And we're believing that for Burkina, that it is going to come to the Lord, that it is going to come to the Lord in a major way. We see tremendous problem there now, but God can change that, and we're praying to that end. And the third aspect that we want to consider is fill this house with glory. Fill this house with glory. You know, on Pentecost Sunday, Lord, fill this room, fill this house with your glory. May it be so, Lord. Fill it, fill it, fill it. So we see the Lord is going to bring that which is desirable from the nations into his house. He's not bringing the junk. He's going to bring what's worthwhile and what is desirable. And, you know, what is desirable to the Lord? You know, what does the Lord want? Well, obedience is a big one. He wants to surround himself with obedient children, you know, obedient sons and daughters. He wants to surround himself with that. I think that's tops on the list of the things that the Lord wants to bring into his house. Lord, may we be obedient. Amen. So the Lord will bring these things into his house, the nations into this house, his house. Then he will cause his glory to fill his house in a greater way. And this is what we are expecting from revival. Amen. You know, we're believing God for revival. And that when that revival comes, we're going to see his glory accompanying that. Now, what that looks like, we don't fully know unless you've had a vision of it. Amen. And the Lord can do that. Pastor Bailey had visions of it. He saw it and he could transmit to us, you know, some of what he had seen. I think there were probably some things that the Lord wouldn't let him transmit to us. But maybe he'll show us that, you know, in the days to come. And we'll see that. He will cause his glory to fill his house. And revival is going to be a real uh, transport of that. God is going to fill his house with those he has desired from the nations, and then he will fill it with his glory. So praise God. I'm so hopeful. Amen. They're shaking here now, and there's more to come. But, you know, when you remodel or decorate a house, you want to do the very best job possible. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's time to do it. You, know, you think, well, this is the opportune time. There's no furniture here. You know, we can just get really into it and we can do the job that needs to be done, the best job. And you put the time into it and you make a good plan. You look around for the best materials. Amen. You know, that's what you do. I used to work for a pastor who would buy old houses, remodel them, and then make rental properties out of them. And that's what he did. We were just going around, you know, we would go into these old houses and look at them and, 
you know, do a, an estimate. And he taught me, he said, now once you've made that estimate, then you go times two. <laughs> After you've looked at everything you need, you feel you need to do, and you've dug into it and looked at everything, he says, well, and then you've got your estimate there. He says, now you go times two. <laughs> and that'll keep you within budget. <laughs> Otherwise, you're in trouble. <laughs> but you know, you do that. And when you're finished, there is the satisfaction that accompanies a job that's been well done. Amen. You want to invite people in and to appreciate it with you. You're like, look at, you know, look what we've done. Look at what the, the, you know, we were able to do, what we were able to accomplish. And, you know, the thought here of holy or completely filling his house, you know, it's, it's like there's not going to be any room to spare. The Lord is going to wholly fill it. You know, just like, uh, you know, the rich man whose son was getting married and there was a wedding feast and he, he couldn't get enough people in there. They weren't even coming. They didn't want to come. They, want, they had other things they wanted to do. And he said, go out and compel them to come in. Go out and drag them in and fill this place. And God is going to fill his house. Amen. Wholly, completely. That is the thought here of the filling. When God fills his house, we're going to see tremendous things happening. Many notable miracles, wisdom, lives put right, decisions being made and acted upon. There'll be no more halting. But as we see what God wants, we'll get right to it and give ourselves to it. And I need that. Amen. I need that. I need that. I don't want to be halting. I want to jump on it when the Lord shows us what we need to do. And when the Lord's glory fills his house, everything gets put in order. The, the glory of the Lord. When the Holy Spirit came uh, at the, on the day of Pentecost, you know, things somehow got straightened out for a lot of people at that moment. You know, things got put into, an, into order. I remember praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for pastors in northern Togo many years ago. And... God was so gracious. It was a Friday afternoon after lunch, and we were in this Assemblies of God church, and all of a sudden, the wind came. I mean, it blew the windows open, and the Holy Spirit came, and 30-some Assemblies of God pastors who had never spoken in tongues before, who had spent three years in an Assemblies of God seminary, were suddenly all speaking in tongues. And it was like that wind came in and they were all speaking in tongues. And right after that, you know, that evening we were taking testimonies from them and it was incredible. God was putting things in order. His glory had come. You know, pastors were saying, I was ready to quit. I was ready to, I, I had nothing left to give my people. I was bone dry. I had nothing because they didn't have the fullness of the spirit. He says, but now I'm going back and taking this with me. And I'm going to give this to my congregation. You know, that's what the glory of the Lord does. Amen? When God's, God's glory comes, everything gets put in order. Isaiah 6.1, in the year of King Uzziah, that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. First Kings 8.11, so that the priest could not stand to minister. Because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Amen. 
And so we see that the Lord, He will shake all nations. There is a shaking that is beginning. There's a shaking that's already going on. And two, He will cause the desire of all nations to come. That shaking is going to produce that those things that are desirable to God to come and to fill His house. And He will fill this house, His house, with His glory. And we just want to be encouraged you know, in what the Lord is doing, what He is speaking, and what we see going on around us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, what ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let us meet with God. Let us meet with God and allow him to fill our temple with his glory. Amen. That he would impact us, that he would impact our families, that he would impact others that we're in contact with, even nations. You know, from this group, nations are being influenced. You're going to other nations. You're touching other nations. Every day, uh, ZCU is touching nations from right here. And this church is touching nations from this room. You are going out into the nations. And so we want to allow God to do that, that he would impact us as he sees fit. And we just want to thank you all so much for praying for us and for sending us to West Africa to do what the Lord has given us to do there, to be there in the midst of their shaking. Amen. Thank you. Uh, we're pleased to be there. We're honored to be there. It's, it's, it's a great honor and privilege. And for you all as well, you know, you have that honor and privilege of being those who have been shaken, who have the desire of the Lord in your hearts, and that you are being drawn into his temple to fill his temple and to be everything that he wants you to be. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit come. Let the Holy Spirit convict each one. Let the Holy Spirit put that desire in you. Amen. To be willing. Lord, yes, shake. But as you shake, let it produce that good, valuable, desirable thing in me that you want, that I might enter into your house and that I might enter into all your glory. Amen. Amen. Let us pray, shall we? Thank you, Lord. I hurry up by Arabo, so riakindariando. Titurri abashayarabo, sondoriankindariandai. Titurri abayarabo, so riakindariando. Shayarabo, so yarabakandariandai. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your mercy unto us. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, that even in the midst of these things that you have purposed, Lord, for here on the earth, things that we must endure, things that we must go through, things that we must experience, Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen us, that you would meet with us, that you would encourage us, and that the shaking would do a good work in us, in everything that you want. Lord, that we might come forth as that precious gold that has been tried. Oh, Lord, we pray as well that there would be desirable things in our heart, things that you want, things that you desire to be close to you, to be near you for all eternity. Lord, would you work that in our hearts? 
And Lord, may we come into your house in a greater measure, in a greater way. Lord, that your house would be filled, filled, Lord, with those that are desirable unto you. Lord, that we would just feel the power of your Holy Spirit working and ministering in us and through us. Holy Spirit, come in our midst. Holy Spirit, come in our midst in a fresh way, in a new way, that in the midst of this shaking, which they even had on the day of Pentecost, you did a wonderful work, and we're so thankful. Lord, we just pray now that you would be with this church, that you would bless each one. Lord, we thank you, and we look forward to all you're going to do here in Clearwater. We're so thankful for what you've already done, but Lord, we know there is much yet to be done. Lord, just prepare each one, oh, to fulfill their role, to be that which you have created them to be from before the foundation of the earth. May they fully accomplish everything, Lord God, that you have for them. Lord, may you be glorified in each heart, in each life, in each home, Lord, here represented. And Lord, may you be lifted up May you be lifted up and draw all men unto you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord bless you all. Thank you.